Last week we left off, we talked about God's love. And I don't know about you, but I had a good time last weekend. That word was for me, and it was good. I'm just going to tell you, stuff got broken off last week of some folks. And it's tickling me pink. Right? And, and I've seen some crazy things happen this week. And the guy come knock on my door. I'm sitting here in the office. A guy comes knocking on the door. And before you know it, I'm preaching to him in my office while I'm eating my white beans on my fast. And he left in tears. And I prayed for him. Sometimes God will send them to your door, won't he? The question is, is are you looking? He sent some people all the way from Canada to get stuck in my front yard this week. A guy drove a 31-foot RV into my front yard and thought he was going to turn it around and got stuck. And he left and he's still alive. Amen. And God calmed me down between Jennings and Crowley. And anyway, I loved on the guy and I didn't give him too hard of a time, I don't think. God's got great things planned for you this year. And I'm not just saying that as a cliche and I'm just, I'm not just saying that to be churchy i want you to get this that god has a detailed plan for you this year and it's starting right now you don't have to wait to start there's not a delayed start it's starting right now and you need to expect it to start right now god is going to increase your marriage what does that mean that means you may go through some hellfire and water but God's going to grow you through it. Amen. So just because I say God's got some great things in store for your marriage doesn't mean that the sun's coming out, the birds are chirping, and the flowers are blooming. It actually means the opposite. You're going to walk through some stuff, and in the middle of walking through that stuff, you're going to sense, feel, and know that the presence of God is with you as you go. And what you used to fight about, you're not going to fight about anymore. Because you're going to realize that when his word says that I took the two and put them together, that you are together and that it's the only one that wants to divide that is the enemy. He's the only one that wants to come and separate your marriage to, to bring a divorce, to, to bring a division, and you just got to stay together. That's all you got to do is just stay together. What you used to fuss about, don't fuss about it no more. Because it's not them and it's not you. It's the devil. And he's trying to bring division, so don't let him. The Bible says resist the enemy, and he'll what? You know what that means? He's going to take off running with his tail tucked between his legs. Right? He's going to flee. God's got great things in store for your family this year. I'm believing my, my kids are going to go deeper into their relationship with Jesus this year. It's happening already. They're singing in the shower. Worshiping God in the shower. Now, the problem we got to work out is they're burning up all the hot water. But that's okay. We'll fix that, okay? 
but they're, they're starting to worship. They're starting to read their Bible. I'm believing for my family that God has some great things in store for my children. Amen? Do you believe that? It's happening right now. Not tomorrow, right now. God's got great plans for this church this year. We're getting out of these walls and we're going into the city. He's been setting it up since last year. We've got new relationships that we've never had before. Some important relationships. And God's given us the keys to the city and it's happening right now. Churches are starting to unite right now. I've been here for going on five years and I've met more pastors in the last month in this city and got more phone numbers from pastors than I ever had before. Now, that's a great thing to have somebody's number, right? It's another thing to actually call them and and do something about it, right? So that's my part of the game that I got to work out. And so I'm believing that God's going to do some incredible things in and through this church this year. I believe this time next year, there's going to be a lot of brand new faces in this church. Not to replace the old faces. So that wasn't permission to leave. It's to add to. Amen. God's got some great things for you this year. And it's starting right now. Don't let the enemy tell you it's delayed. This isn't the airline company. This isn't UPS or FedEx. It's right now. No delays. You ready to walk in that? Me too. So last week we talked about how God loves us and how he, we shared the example from Jesus being baptized when Jesus comes out of the water and, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, then a voice from heaven. I mean, just imagine being there and this voice from heaven says this, it says, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and go, wow. And here's the secret. We talked about it last week. The secret is, is that Jesus had done nothing right until that point. He did nothing to deserve God's approval. He did nothing to deserve God's love. God decided beforehand, I love him and I'm proud of him. Are you with me? And he says the same thing to us. Then we went to Ephesians and we talked about how God loves us. And he decided before the worlds were created to love us. In other words, he made his mind up about us. He's waiting on us to make our mind up about him. You see, the enemy can't change his mind, but the enemy can change your mind. So stop letting the enemy change your mind about how God loves you. Stop letting him change your mind about the the fact that God made his mind up before the worlds were created. And a little further down in Ephesians 1, he says that in advance, he adopted us into his family. And I gave the example of, of an employee going to an employer and asking for an advance. And what that means is that somebody's coming to you and they're asking for payment for something they haven't done yet. So in advance, before you did anything to deserve being in the family, 
God adopted you. You see, i got to review this because everything builds off of that. If you don't have that, you ain't got nothing. Excuse my English. You don't have anything if you don't have that. We can't even talk today if you don't have that. Because you see, today's message is called loving God back. And you can't love God back if you don't have his love. Come on. You got, I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat this horse into the ground because you got to have it. It's not an intellectual thing. Don't let it get twisted right here. It's right here. This is how you know because it's right here. It's got to seep down from there into here. And that's where it gets real. Amen. So God made up his mind about you before you did anything right or wrong that he was going to love you. And in advance, he adopted you into the family before you could do anything to disqualify yourself for the adoption. So welcome to the family. Welcome to God's love. Glad you made it. Amen. All right. So today we're talking about loving God back. And so in Matthew chapter 22, I want to show you a verse real quick. and we'll give you a little bit of teaching and then I'll hopefully get into the message. Matthew 22 verse 37 says this, that Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all, say all, all. your heart with all, say all. all, your soul and with all. your mind. Good. You're doing good. So love the Lord your God. This is the first and greatest commandment Jesus said because they were trying to trick him. The religious teachers of the law were trying to twist Jesus up. And they said, well, tell us which of the 600 and something laws or commandments is the greatest. And Jesus said, okay, the first one, this is the first one and the greatest one. It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay? That sounds good, doesn't it? It kind of preaches real nice and easy. But how do you do that? I think first, before you can do that, you've got to understand what he means by the heart, the soul, and the mind. So the heart represents your affections and your will. That's what your heart represents. So what he's saying to you, if we break it down a little bit, he says, you, need to, you have to love the Lord your God with all of your affections and all of your will. You track him? Don't tune out because I'm getting technical. Then he says, you love the Lord your God with all your soul. Your soul represents your abilities. So with any and everything that you're able to do, love the Lord your God with it. Okay? So we're loving him with our affections, with our will, and with our abilities. And then he says to love the Lord your God with your mind, which talks about your intellectual abilities, because you will have to use some brain power from now and then, right? From time to time. Jesus, when he was in the desert, was tempted by the enemy. What did he come back at the enemy with? Scripture. With the word of God. The enemy tried to twist the scripture, but Jesus had some intellectual power, and he he brought it back to the enemy, and it canceled what he was trying to do. Okay, so you're going to need some mind power. Being a Christian isn't a good excuse to be dumb. Right? Right? So, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. That means your affections, your will, your abilities, and your intellectual abilities. Good. Now that we've established that, I want to show you something. How did Jesus love God? How did he love God back? 
We've been reading through the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 11 now, collectively as a church. Hopefully you've been doing that and enjoying that. By the way, we've, we've recorded some messages, some little four-minute devotionals, and we, we've got them on our, our website. And uh, you're welcome to go see that anytime you want. We've got a rotation going. Um, so I encourage you to do that. So we've been reading through Matthew. And the good thing about reading through Matthew is you, you get to study. What you're doing is you're studying the life of Jesus. Okay, which is cool. I mean, if you think Christianity is boring, you hadn't studied Jesus. Stuff was happening around Jesus all the time, right? I mean, everywhere as he went, I bet the disciples, they couldn't wait to get up in the morning. I mean, what's going to happen today? Right? I mean, it's never know. I mean, demons are coming out. Blind people are seeing. Leprosy's leaving. Come on. Deaf people are hearing. Religious people are getting mad. I like that one. Right? Not like making a religious person mad. So, man, they're walking with Jesus. And so we get to study and see how Jesus operated. And the cool thing about it is that you get to see that Jesus gave us the perfect example of how to live. So if you want to know how to love God back, then you need to study the life of Jesus and see how Jesus did it. Right? So when you understand how Jesus did it, then you can apply what you've learned about Jesus to your own life. And when you walk into a place and there's a kid throwing himself into the fire and he's having seizures, you can say, oh, Jesus cast the devil out of him. I need to cast the devil come out. A blind man runs into you in the store. Excuse me, sir. Can I pray for you? Lord, open this man's eyes. You know what's going to happen? People are going to start hanging out with you. Why? Because you're just being Jesus. So how did Jesus love God back? I want to show you something in John chapter 14. Jesus' words, Jesus says, but I will do what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. You see, the enemy wants to make this life of a Christian complicated. He wants to twist it up in your head so complicated and so tight that you feel like you can't do anything. Jesus simply said, I'm going to do what God requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. So what he's really saying is that I love the father by doing what he wants me to do. Right? Pretty good. Pretty simple. I mean, there's nothing complicated about that. Just do what God wants you to do. Well, pastor, how do I do that? I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm going to teach you that today. So number one, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. So we're learning right now, how did Jesus obey God? How did Jesus love God back? Number one, he was led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. And if I step on your toes, so what? If you're not being led by the Spirit, my question is, who are you being led by? 
Because you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus and you've got his Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And just because people think it's weird. And just because people think it's kooky. Doesn't mean that it's not right. Come on. You need to be led by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means when you get up in the morning, you go, God, what's up? I mean, you got to wake up with a little mission on your mind, and you need to get up and you need to say, God, what are we doing today? All right? Some days it may be like, are you serious? When you're going to the gas station to pay for your gas, you need to be led by the Spirit. When you're going to your workplace, you need to be led by the Spirit. Come on. You walk into a room full of demons, you need to be led by the Spirit. Amen? Some of you work in some demonic environments. I used to work there too. Matthew chapter 4 says this. After Jesus was was baptized and came up out of the water and God said what he said about him. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Here's a clue. Was Was the desert a good place for Jesus to be? No. Is the desert a place that any of you would want to volunteer to go? Knowing that you're going to the desert to be tempted by the devil. I mean, that's like the only thing happening in the desert is you're going to be tempted. How many volunteering to get on a bus? Nobody is. But Jesus was led by the Spirit. So Jesus, I guarantee you, Jesus didn't feel like going to the desert. But he was led by the Spirit. You see, when you're led by the Spirit, you're going to have some wheel crossing going on. It's going to be your wheel crossed by God's will. And if you're led by the spirit, you're going to lay your, your will down and you're going to go with God's will. And when you go with God's will, you're going to experience some good things. You're going to see some things happen. Come on, somebody, because Jesus went because he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. He then was able to relate to us what this temptation is that we face today. Because the Bible says he was tempted with every temptation known to man. So because Jesus went into the desert, he can relate to you and I now that, what, that when we go through temptation, he's able to provide a way out. You see, it's only when you go into the wilderness that you can find the way out. You never go, you never find the way out. So the spirit of God is going to lead you to some places that you don't want to go. And that's okay. You need to expect that to happen. But when it happens, you need to just go. Amen. Jesus was led by the spirit. That was one of the ways that he loved God back. He allowed the spirit of the living God to lead his life. You got to get this. He loves you. He only has good for you. He's got this, this great plan for you. It's going to involve some leading of the Holy Spirit. So just go ahead and go with it. Come on. Bump your neighbor and say, just go with it. So let me, let me stop that, that first point with two questions. Where and how is the Holy Spirit leading you today? 
You need to answer that question. How is he leading you today? Where is he leading you? And answer this question. Is it a place you don't want to go? You need to answer that question before you leave today. Number two. He listened to the voice of God. Now, I used to believe the lie that God didn't speak to us anymore. That it was just a Moses thing. And I'm just being honest with you. I used to believe that. When God told Cheryl and I to pack our bags, go find Bubba and ask him what he needs and help him. I told my best friend and he said, man, God don't speak to us like that no more. He spoke to Moses like that, not to us. I love my friend with all my heart, but he lied. And I believed it. God speaks to us. I said, God speaks to us. All we got to do is listen. And the reason it's a still small voice is because it requires you to listen a little bit better. You see the enemy in the world shouting at you. God's not excited. He's not anxious. He's just giving you direction. And he doesn't have to raise his voice. You see, when somebody's in control, they don't have to raise their voice. Isn't that the truth? When somebody's getting out of control, they do what? They raise their voice. So he listened to God. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 38. It says this, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. You see, Jesus had a following, and everywhere he would go, people would, were drawn to him, and crowds would come, and they would just follow him. So imagine a crowd following you all the time. So the only way Jesus could stop long enough and hear from God is he had to get up early in the morning. Before his kids woke up. Before it was time to hurry up and get dressed and go to work. He had to get up early in the morning and go sit with the father and talk to the father. And when he did, he was in this region and there was a crowd of people that wanted something from Jesus. Because, you know, there's always people wanting something from you, right? Somebody always wants something from you, right? So they wanted something from Jesus. So Jesus goes to this quiet place. He prays and he talks to God and God says, look, buddy, you're going to have to move on. You need to go to the next town. Because they need to hear what you got too. You only got so much time. So the disciples come. They find Jesus and say, hey man, there's a whole crowd over here waiting for you. Jesus goes, we need to move on. Huh? Yeah, we got to go. What do you mean? Well, God just said we need to go to the next town. You see, Jesus listened to the voice of God. And because he did, the next town was able to receive what he had. If you were living in that next town, you'd say amen. Right? So Jesus listened to the voice of God. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's scary to hear God's voice. I'll just be real. Sometimes he tells me to do things I don't want to do. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it causes me to get out of my comfort zone. The reason he does that is because I've been in my comfort zone too long. Amen. So Shazam, you've been in your comfort zone too long. Yeah, you. 
So let me give you this question. What is God telling you about your family today? Is God telling you to start something new, stop something old, forgive someone, reconcile an old relationship? What is God telling you to do today? You may want to start by asking the question, what is the last thing he told me to do and did I do it? Right? So number one, God, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Number two, he listened to the voice of God. And so we're laying out how Jesus loved God. But he listened to the voice of God. Then number three, he laid his life down and he gave his life up. And I want to show you this. This may be a little corny, but I just want to show you this. Jesus laid his life down. Okay? You, you look at me. You need to see my little uh, illustration. Jesus laid his life down and he gave his life up. He laid it down from himself and he gave it up to a higher calling. So some of you today are in the process of laying down or giving up. If it's an addiction, you need to give it up. Come on. You need to give it up. Give it up to something greater. Exchange it for something better. If it's condemnation and guilt and worry and fear and doubt, you need to give it up. You need to lay it down at his feet and say, I don't want this no more. I'm done with this. If it's your own will that doesn't want to line up with his will, you need to lay it down. Lay it down. Give it up. He's got something better for you. Because here's a cool little thing. God's will is far greater than your will for your life. When you don't surrender to his will, you're saying, God, I don't need your will. I got mine. You ever had somebody tell you they don't need you? How's that feel? Oh, we don't need you anymore. Remember how that feels. Because that's what we say to God when we don't lay our will down. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Almost finished. Maybe. Matthew 26. Starting at verse 36. I want to show you how Jesus laid his life down. This is in the garden of Gethsemane. He brings his disciples with him. Now remember Jesus is 100% flesh, 100% God. So he, he knows what we feel like. He felt what you feel. Okay. Anguish, fear, worry, doubt, insecurities. He knows what that feels like. And that's where he's at right here in this moment. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go out, while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished. Say anguished and distressed. He told them, watch this now. This is Jesus's words. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. This was a struggle. Jesus in the garden was not just a simple go lay my life down. It was a struggle. 
Some of you got to get this because when you think struggle, when you sense struggle coming on, you just think, oh, well, I've done something wrong. I'm going the wrong direction or no, I got to quit this because I don't like struggle. But let me break it to you like this. As a believer, you're going to face some struggle. And you're just going to have to put your big boy pants on and you're just going to have to go through the struggle. Why? Because Jesus did. Jesus said, my soul, listen to these words. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He's saying this to his most intimate friends. So he went a little further and bowed with his face to the ground praying. Listen to his prayer. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Come on, y'all. That's real. Jesus is real. He's not religious. He doesn't fake it till he makes it. He's real. God, if there's any other way, Lord, if there's any other way, come on, man, can you figure something else out? Can we do it with a little less pain? And watch where his life gets laid down. And the next sentence is where his life lays down. And you're going to have to get this. Yet. Or some versions say, but. It's a good but in the Bible. But, Lord. I want your will to be done, not mine. Sorry, Z, I didn't mean to teach you that word. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. Some of you, all of you are going to face a yet moment this year. You're going to face a moment where maybe something from your past, maybe something that's been haunting you, something that you've been wrestling with, something that you've laid down once again, but you once, once before, but you picked it up again is going to come back to you and you're going to have to have a yet moment. Come on, when worry and fear and anxiety and struggles and all these things come back up, you're going to have to have a yet moment. Yet, Lord, not my will, but your will. You know what Jesus said in that moment? God, I love you more than I love myself. If that didn't tell God that he loved him, nothing did. Because you see, I'll remind you of what John said. In John 14, Jesus said, but I will do what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. The question is, is are you willing to do what the father requires of you so that the people around you will know that you love God? How do you tell God that you love him without using words? Let's get real for a moment, especially those of you who are married. How many of you would rather your husband, I'm going to pick on the men. How many of you would rather your husband show you that he loves you 
instead of saying that he loves you. Raise your hands, ladies. Come on. This is your chance. I just hooked you up. Don't, ain't nothing to be scared about. Raise your hand up. You want him to show you why. Because there's action in showing. There's actually some, some substance when you show it. Right? There's something you can hang on to. With my kids, when my kids do what I tell them to do the first time, man, hallelujah, it shouts to me. When I say, son, I need you to take the garbage out. Yes, sir, dad, I got that. Go and get it right now. And he does it. And he actually puts the bag back in a new bag. Whoa, my tank gets full. I got to sit down. I'm like, whoa, Jesus, man, that boy loves me. Because he showed me, right? He showed me. Well, how did he show me? By doing what I asked him to do. And I didn't ask him to do anything that was going to hurt him. Come on. I didn't ask him to do anything that was going to kill him. I didn't ask him to do anything that was going to make him embarrassed. I didn't ask him to do anything that was going to make him look like a fool. God doesn't ask you to do something that's going to kill you. The enemy tells you you're going to die when you're doing it. He tells you you're going to look like a fool when you're doing it. But does it matter if you look like a fool on earth or if you look like a fool in heaven? Well, let's see. I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, so I don't want to look like a fool in heaven. I got 20 more years here. I'll look like a fool here. But man, when you do it, Paul, when you do it, when you lay your life down, when you, when you lay it down, you give it up. It's as if you're screaming to God, I love you. I'm learning that right now. God's pushing me to step out in the areas of ministry that I'm, I'm afraid of. He's pushing me to move out in the gift of the spirit that he's given me. And, and, and the devil keeps telling me, you're just an old Baptist boy. You can't do that. That's, that's going to be too weird. And the whole time I got something inside of me that's just going, man, there's more. There's more. He, I know he wants more. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper, but to go deeper, there got to be less of me to go deeper. I got to die before I can go deeper. Come on, I got to lay it down before I can go deeper. Amen? All my fear, all my worry, all my doubt, all my shame, I got to lay it down so I can go deeper. He's calling you to something greater than where you're at, and it's going to require you to lay your life down. I needed that. Confession's good for the soul. God's will is far greater than your will. So let me give you two more questions and then we'll see what happens. What area of your life or what thing is God leading you to lay your life down in right now? What is it that he's saying to lay down or give up? Because this is what he told me. This is what he's telling me right now. That there's people in this room, and you know who you are, 
that there's some things in front of you that you're holding on to that he wants you to let go of. You're afraid to let go of it because maybe you're afraid to get hurt. Maybe you're afraid to be embarrassed. Maybe you're afraid to not be as cool. Maybe you're afraid of something, but that thing that you're holding on to is the very thing that's getting in the way of your full-blown relationship with Jesus. I'm going to show you something. Come see Cheryl. She loves it when I do this. She loves to be a prop. So hold this. I'm God. We've established that already. I got a plaque and everything. And I want to give you all my love. We've established that too. I want to give you all my love, all right? But you're holding on to this thing. So what you need to do right now is you need to, you need to name that thing. What is that thing in your life that you're holding on to that you're afraid to let go of? So stick it out. I'm God and I'm trying to do this. Let's put this down. No. If you put this down, then we can get closer. Come on. Sometimes we'll draw it in a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And so we'll let God in a little bit closer. And he's going, no. Don't let that go. Look, if you'll let that go. I mean, it could be on if you let that go. Come on, somebody. So when you let it go, he comes in. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> This is where I want to be, Lord. Let's do that again. This is where. <laughs> we just need to take a moment. Dim the lights. Let's just take a moment. We're going to have a, a hug ceremony. Chad, you'd like that. Not with me, though. I love you, but. You see what I'm saying? There's something. Name that thing. I heard Pastor Jacob say this one time, and it's always stuck with me. And he was talking about sin, but you can apply it to anything. He said this, you got to embarrass the sin in your life. Oh, get you some of that. You got to embarrass the sin in your life. You know what that means? You got to identify it. You got to put it out there and you got to embarrass it. So today you're going to have to name that thing that is getting in the way. Name it. Stop looking at me. Name it. Right now, what is it? What is it that's getting in the way from you going deeper, from you getting closer, from you receiving the fullness of God? Is this making sense? You must really be thinking because you look confused. But I'm going to believe you got it. Good? Man, that's good. That was unscheduled, unwritten, unplanned goodness. Come on, worship team. I'm done. We done ate. We're good. We drank. We ate. Now I'm going to give you a moment for yourself and God. I want you to raise your hand if you want to go deeper.
I want you to raise your hand if you want to let this thing go. If you want more, say, I want more, God. If you want to get closer, say, I want to get a little closer. Stand up with me. Let's dim the lights a little bit. Come on, we're going to have a good time with the Lord this morning. I'm, I'm not in a hurry. I'm on a fast, so there ain't no rush to go eat nothing. start praying let's just see what happens just start praying just love on him I don't hear nothing I mean like what the heck y'all can't pray pray come on press in let me hear you don't be ashamed you're in the family it's a family meeting you can pray father we bless you this morning We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Ah, Lord, I thank you that you want us to go deeper. Lord, you want us to go further. You want us to press in, Lord, like we've never pressed in before. Fear fall. Fear fall in the name of Jesus right now. We're going deeper. The family's going deeper. He's calling us into the the other room this morning. He wants us to go into the family room where it's more intimate, it's more quiet. And he's calling us in there saying, come on, y'all, come sit with me in the room come sit with me ah Lord we thank you we thank you for that this morning Lord Jesus I thank you you're calling us deeper you're calling us further you want us to get out of our comfort zone you've got better things for us you've got a rich and satisfying life for us Lord we've been living in bitter land And you got sweet land for us to live in, Father. Lord, you got a better thing, a better place for us to go to. Thank you for calling us in, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Lord.